Yeah, except it's in Portland, man. We were Washington State's show, and we jokingly say Portland's dead to us, but... Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right, folks, welcome back to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Eric Phillips with Schilling Cider. Eric, I'm going to let you say what your official job title is because, you know, we'll go from there. But yeah, you went to Linfield. I'm on your LinkedIn. You went to Linfield University. And yeah, it's now actually when I went, uh, this will date me, but when I went, it was called Linfield College. Well, when I went to college, it was yeah. Linfield College. So yeah, it's like, oh, okay. okay, so back in the day, I didn't go there. Um, okay. But but uh, sports-wise, you guys played Central Washington University. So that's yep. how that's how I know the name. So yep. anyway. Yeah, played some rugby against them and uh, yeah, we, good times. See, we didn't have rugby back then, you know. Yeah, was, uh, it, it, so that's cool that they brought rugby in. That's all yeah. right. Well, yeah, it was great. We're not here to talk college athletics, but we could, I guess. But anyway, Eric, so you're with Schilling Cider. Why don't you give our audience just like the quick and dirty overview of what your job title is, what you do, and then we'll go from there. Great. Uh, thanks again for you know the invite, and we're really excited uh, just to be able to tell people more about Schilling Cider in general, and you know, uh, super pleased to be here. So my official title uh, these days is Chief commercial officer. I had to think about that. Uh, so I'm the chief commercial officer. Uh, so I oversee our sales and marketing departments, uh, those two verticals. And, you know, kind of my day to day is a lot of different things, but really, you know, uh, is to take out the roadblocks for the rest of our team so they can be successful in their, in their roles. Uh, that's a lot of what I view my role as doing is trying to connect the dots and help take out the roadblocks so people in the company can be successful and and support them and their growth within the company as well. All right. Well, let's we're going to talk about you first and we'll transition and transition into Schilling. How did you how did you start your career with with Schilling? Great question. Uh, I started I think about it's got to be 8 or 9 years now. I'd have to look on the calendar, but I won't waste our time doing that. Uh, I started actually at the Cider House. So, um, through some Mutual friends, so some people from Linfield, and and in a uh, in a personal relationship I was in at that time, I started meeting some different people who had different connections to Schilling Cider, and through that I actually I worked at this restaurant down in South Lake Union, helped them open it up, and then kind of through that connection, some people who were familiar with Schilling came in. Uh, the two co-founders at different times had come into the restaurant. I never made exact connections with them. But then I saw this job posting. So I was a public school teacher. That's what my first career was. I was a public school Spanish teacher. And then, you know, I wanted to see what else was available. So I did this restaurant thing and started kind of making these connections. And then I saw this job posting and I applied for it. And I was totally not, didn't have the skill set, you know, totally underqualified, you know, not even under, just completely not qualified for the job. I applied anyway, right? As Anyone listening, you should definitely do that from time to time because it worked out for me. Well, and, what, and what's the worst that's going to happen? Uh, pu- yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, that's exactly it, right? They can say no. Like they're mm-hmm. already saying no by you not applying, right? Right. Uh, so I applied for this job and it was for an assistant cider maker position. And I had made cider on my own uh, with, with my college roommate and after college. 
And we were having a good time with that. So I said, you know, what the heck? I don't know where they're at. Let's try and figure this out. So I went in for an interview and, you know, I, I just told them, I said, hey, here are my samples. And we tried them out and they were nice enough to try them and, you know, comment on a couple of them. Like, yeah, these are, these are good. I was like, okay, that's great. You guys do this as a profession. And I just said, you know, hey, I'm going to be really honest with you. It's kind of my MO. I just said, I'm not qualified for this job, but I'm excited about your guys' company. I'm excited about this. But I also know that you have a job or not a job opening. You have a cider house that you're opening that hasn't opened up yet. I'm actually qualified for that. Are there any openings? And one of the first things, and this kind of goes into probably we'll dive into this later, but it was kind of my first understanding of the foundational like uh, who Schilling is as a company, who the company is, the company culture and that kind of thing. And that's It started that day, actually, my first day. And I remember very clearly Colin Schilling, the co-founder, said, hey, actually, I'm not hiring for that. Our GM is. And I went, okay, he's already delegated. He already believes that this person is the right person for that job. That person's hiring. So the next day, I think, or the day after, I was in touch with that person and that person hired me on the spot to be the assistant general manager. Okay. And I was like, all right, I am in like this. I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, open up, help that person open up the cider house, uh, in Fremont. So we have two locations now we have the, uh, 32 tap cider house in Fremont okay. and we have the 50 tap cider house down in Portland. I would encourage anyone who is at all interested or even has thought about trying cider to go there first. They're the largest tap houses of cider in the nation. Like maybe the world. I've been to a couple other places, but they don't have 50 taps of cider. And it's just cider and gluten-free menus. So okay. that's helpful for people. Yeah, so except anyway. it's in Portland, man. We were Washington State show and we jokingly say Portland's dead to us. But <laughs> that's we'll, fair. Get, we'll give you a pass. You know, come on. We'll give you a pass. You can, you can take the train. I mean, the train is beautiful. I will say All that. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. But right. Fremont, go to Fremont. <laughs> us, us Washingtonians will go to Fremont. Go to, go to okay? Fremont, folks. Fremont's great. <laughs> so on that note, I, I apply, you know, I apply for that job, get hired, we open the cider house in, in Fremont. And uh, and then through a couple different transitions, uh, I said, Hey, I want to grow with the company. And, you know, so I became you know, just listed off so I won't bore everyone. But then I was after the AGM at the Cider House, I was a sales rep in the Washington market. Uh, and then I Took, I uh, moved to Texas for six months to get the state launched. And then I came back and took over more of sales. And then I took over uh, marketing as well. So that's where we, we are today. Well, so one question that, yeah, I mean, besides teasing about Portland, which I, I can't do, that's, that's, just, <laughs> that's not fair. Uh, but you said you went to Texas. So how many states is Schilling currently selling cider in? Yeah, we're in about 20 states. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I, I always say we, we do a we do a bulk of our business in less than that, but we're excited about the investment that we have in those markets and the long term growth opportunities. Okay, is yeah. is Washington State your largest market? It is, yeah. Okay. Washington State's our largest largest market. Actually, if you break down cider and you look at the dollar sales data that's available through Nielsen or available through IRI to syndicated sourcing uh, avenues, you uh, will see that Washington per capita is the highest cider, uh, and then it's Oregon. Actually, the Pacific Northwest, basically, you can, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but the Pacific Northwest has the largest cider consumption by dollars spent wow. in okay. the entire nation. So it's, you know, kind of the cider mecca. Okay. All right. So you've had this journey to now, now you're the chief commercial officer and your job is to get, you know, knock down roadblocks for everybody because 
there's no roadblocks in business, man. It's all easy. And, and there's, you know, there's no, no, you know, no bureaucracies you have to deal with. And I kid and all that. So let's talk about Schilling Cider. How, how did that start? Cause the name is kind of a familiar name. And so there's a little, I think a historical, you know, a family lineage there, but um, how did Schilling get started in, and let's talk about the journey there. Yeah, absolutely. So Colin Schilling, uh, his great-great-grandfather. So Colin Schilling is the co-founder with Mark Cornei. Uh, and I'll tell you about their story here in a second. But okay. we're going to go back a couple decades. Uh, so in 1886, uh, Colin... Centuries, Sch- man. That's a couple yeah, centuries, I, not decades. I, I, no, my jo- <laughs> you, you got my joke. So... Uh, so in 1886, Colin's great-great-grandfather, August Schilling, started the Schilling Spice Company. Wow. And he, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I know some of the stories, not a ton sure. of them, uh, but at one point he actually worked worked with AJ Folgers from Folgers Coffee. Okay. They split ways and they did their different things. And, and the basis, as I understand it, is August Schilling wanted to create high quality product spices mm-hmm. at a consumer friendly price point. And that's a lot of, you know, we, we also, you know, talk about that too, where we're at as a company. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, fast forward. So Colin, you know, had made cider, uh, probably, uh, before he could legally drink it. No. In Idaho. Right. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. And, uh, and so in Idaho, you know, he grew up and he, he was making cider as you know uh, for gifts and as a hobby and that kind of thing and then uh he he went to willamette um down uh a state that won't be named i guess on this podcast oregon uh, uh, yeah exactly yeah the voldemort right uh down there uh he went to willamette and then so did mark cornay and that's where they met they met in college uh, in, in grad school and then they um one of the other uh key members one of the other owners uh uh, also met in grad school. And so Mark and Colin founded the company in uh, like kind of April-ish of 2013. Okay. And they started it in their garage uh, in their place in Queen Anne that they were renting. They started there. Uh, and you can actually line, you can see uh, the from Fremont, basically that house, you know, okay. uh, the Fremont facility, which is really cool. So that's where the, the business started. And then we, there was a production facility uh, prior to the one that we're currently in, which is our, our main headquarters, uh, about a mile away, like less than about a half mile away and started there. And then we just expanded into this space. And, you know, a note on it, I think is kind of interesting is I think there's sometimes you can name something because you're egotistical. The reason that it was Schilling Cider at that point, because the name in grocery was familiar mm-hmm. and there was an easy route to market, you know, oh. and, and Colin would be the first one to tell you, he's like, dude, if we did it again, I would not put my name on it. But here okay. we are and we're, you know, we're excited about it. And I think it's, you know, a, a, again, a testament to who we are as a company uh, and what we're doing. So, well, it's interesting you say that, though, because y- y- there there is that, you know, you hear the name and you're like. I know that there's something rattling around in my brain and I don't know what it was. And then, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. So there, but there actually was a, a family connection going, going way, way back. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because you talk with a certain generation, right. And they are very familiar with the shilling spices and then other people, you get a blank stare and you go McCormick and they go, Oh, and well, shilling sold to McCormick to Cor- and they actually kept that red mm-hmm. that's known as shilling red. Right. Yeah. 
so what you said those so the three that we'll call the three guys all met at college so did they start this company without any real work experience real like business experience prior to starting this company so I, I met I, I left out a probably important portion there uh, on, on two fronts one is so there are four of us I, I and thankfully included in that conversation I joined uh, about six months uh, after uh, the third person Ian um, and in a very different role but they uh, worked at some corporate jobs uh, which okay. I, I will not badmouth um, but ones that we would most be familiar with sure um, and then we're very tired of that and recognize that this was not a path forward for them so they had worked for you know a finite amount of time mm-hmm. and then basically said hey you know this is what we went to grad school for you know uh, entrepreneurial business sustainable business let's take a crack at it and then with some convincing so Mark and Colin co-founded it and then with some convincing um, they looped in Ian, uh, uh-huh. one of the other guys, and and pulled him out of his corporate, um, you know, cushy job, and then, you know, and then I, I worked my way into the equation over time. So, so it's, it's uh, the reason I'm asking is it's always interesting to me how, what the path is that people take to, to yeah. get to entrepreneurship, and. I would have been a little surprised, frankly, if they wouldn't have done some time in corporate. It's almost some time like it was a finite sentence or something yeah. like, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you, I think people that understand it really understand that, yeah, this corporate gig, sure, salary's nice, bennies are great. And it's, just, it's not, I'm not getting anything emotional. Yeah. And so I'd rather go and work, you know, because. I'm sure these guys are only working part-time now. They probably only work on Tuesdays for a couple of hours. You know, they've, yeah, no, they're probably, you guys are all probably working, you know, uh, I, one of my friends, and I, he didn't originate this saying, but, you know, somebody goes, oh, yeah, I have a, I have a um, you know, I've got a, you know, I work, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And, and he popped up and goes, yeah, I remember my first part-time job, Yeah, you know, so. Um, yeah. So we started this in 2013. Yep. So you're, on your way to a decade. Yeah. Right? Okay. And you've moved a couple of times. So yep. you're okay. So the facility that you're in now, uh, how, how big a facility are you guys in for, a, from a production standpoint? Yeah. Uh, well, from a production standpoint, technically speaking, we, we talk about certain things we talk about in certain ways for certain people and sure. you get it right. Um, square footage. We have, uh, we're currently in 36,000 square feet, which is, you know, I, I have no context to that. So I tell people I start at one end, I could sprint, get to full speed twice. You know, that's about it for me. You know, I'm not a fast guy, but you know, I, that's, that's where I'm at. So, uh, that's 36,000 square feet in technical terms as I understand it. Right. Right. And then we're actually getting the back of the building, uh, in later this year in a couple months, uh, and we'll, we'll have access to that. And that's about uh, almost 90,000 square feet. Yeah, so some big expansion happening this year. We're really excited about it. Um, we wow. currently have some stuff that's stored, uh, you know, across the street. And we'd love to just, we like to be able to handle our business ourselves and not have to worry about other people, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So we're excited to bring that all in-house. So you guys are going to be over 100,000 square feet. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of square footage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
I don't know the technical sprinting equation to that one, but I'll let you know. I'll follow up with you when we get that backspace. I think they call that a half marathon. Yeah, half. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. Just that's a lot of. Well, I used to work so. In the '90s, I worked at Starbucks corporate. Okay. So the Starbucks Center down in Soto, right? And that building, each of those floors is 110,000 square feet. So I've got a pretty good context of that's a lot of square footage, man. That's yeah. that's, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be exciting, and you know, with that expansion comes more tanks. Um, you know, we're, we're trying. You know, really. As we've expanded, I think there's a, an important conversation because I, I think that, you know, sometimes you can be not uh, associated as a craft brand. Well, you can expand sustainably and still maintain those craft roots. And it's not even maintain, it's perpetuate. It's, you know, uh, prophetize, if you will, like talk about it, you know, and, and, and that's that's the exciting thing about us is, you know, we, we're still doing the same thing, but better and, mm-hmm. and, a, and just a little bit bigger. You know, right, right. Yeah, you guys got a, a pretty extensive line of products, and we'll, we'll, we're going to get we're going to talk product, of, of course. So I, tr- I trust you. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, I'm, I'm watching. I'm on your website, and it's it's kind of scrolling by, which is catching my eye sometimes. It's like, okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna move that so it doesn't keep scratching. You know, okay. So when they started, back when they launched commercially, how how much product did they have? How many how many you know how many SKUs did they launch with? Do you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. Okay. No, I was, I mean, I, I was in about six months after okay. the company started, you know, um, I think I could be totally wrong, but uh, <laughs> we started with uh, Schilling Original and it mm-hmm. was a hopped cider. Okay. It, was a ho- it was a dry hopped cider, dry hopped and a dry cider. So a dry, dry hop cider. That's confusing. Okay. Okay. And we started with Schilling Original, and then we also had one that was called Schilling Oak Aged, uh, where we actually had oak chips, essentially, you know, in, in the liquid as it was fermenting, and we'd pull some really great flavors out of it, almost more along the lines of like an oak Chardonnay, okay, um, but without the buttery characteristics, which some people don't like. And then we had a ginger cider, okay. and it was with, uh, it was really fun, because there's a, I didn't, you know, I didn't know this beforehand, but there are many different types of ginger. And of course there are many different types of ginger. I don't know? know that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, but like you think about it now, you're like, yeah, I mean, that just makes sense. Of course there's more than one yeah. type of ginger. Right. You know? I wouldn't have thought of that. Ginger. Yeah. I just think ginger. Right? Yeah. yeah. So those were the three releases. Okay. Yeah. Do you know why they started with those versus just, you know, a plain old hard apple cider, just, you know, not, yeah. So not, not were, hopped, not aged, not not ginger. Yeah. So the original uh, wasn't advertised as a hop cider at the beginning, and so it was okay. just advertised as like a dry cider. But it had some more fun characteristics and a little bit better mouthfeel than a lot of stuff at that time. You know, we're talking nine, ten years ago when cider was having another resurgence. You know, mm-hmm. there were some products that existed, and then some from some legacy brands at major corporate you know, um, beverage companies mm-hmm. and, you know, the real, and I'll answer the question that the, the, the start, the scale up was from Boston beer. They released angry orchard, right? Boston beer of truly and of, uh, twisted tea and, you know, Sam Adams, all, all those brands, right. Mm-hmm. Um, have launched angry orchard. And so you had this easier access to people, uh, for consumers, right? They now cider was on all the shelves. 
mm-hmm. right? Well, at that same time, there were some other companies, ourselves included, that were releasing ciders. Most of them were in bottle. We were the first cider in cans on the West Coast. Okay. And so I think it, part of that strategy was what is different about our cider to gain a shelf placement. Because if you're not on the shelf, it doesn't matter how good your cider is, right? right. Unfortunately, that's just where we're at. That's, that's just, yeah, it's reality. And so, you know, the original had that, you know, it was different enough from the dry ciders or the semi-sweet ciders that were out there, right? And then the oak age, nothing else existed in oak aged or in ginger at that point. So those are two new entrants to the category. Um, you know, and, and we were looking at, at that point, there was a lot more connotation or uh, connectedness with the wine business mm-hmm. right. than there was with craft beer, mm-hmm. right? Or, or a separate category, cider. Yeah. You know, there was no right. cider category. It was like, well, it's kind of like wine made from apples. Great. It goes here. So that's kind of why that choice was made. Yeah. I've heard that from other cider makers that, it, you know, that have been around for, you know, more more than just last week that at first it was placed with wine because yeah it's made out of it's made out of apples and it's fermented yeah it's wine and, and technically it's taxed as wine right like right. it's taxed oh. as an apple wine you know there's okay yeah there's I didn't think about that okay but yeah, yeah that's a good point there's a lot of yeah, funky because, stuff there yeah well yeah because if you go if your abv is a little too high doesn't it get taxed as champagne isn't it pop up into another yeah you know, we, don't, we don't, don't, no, it's it's fascinating. Honestly, I, I nerd out on it all the time. People are like, yes, oh, but let's be know. real. The minute we start saying, okay, now we're going to talk about taxes, everyone's going next yeah. episode. So we're yeah. going to, we'll spare everybody that. But okay. So they start with those three. And how was it getting it on the shelves? Was it, was, because it wasn't, cider wasn't everywhere back in, in 2013. It wasn't. I mean, now you walk into a, a, a any establishment, Safeway, Albertsons, Fred Meyer, bottle shops. You've got lots of choices. You didn't have those back then. Yeah, it was definitely. Uh, so I didn't have the first experience uh, in selling it into stores because I was over at the Cider House. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that there was there's definitely at that point, and there still obviously exists and to a much greater degree through education and you know, thankfully consumers putting their dollars there, a very interested contingents, like a group of people who were just super pumped on cider. And it was thanks to, in part, one of them was, uh, and thanks to uh, this gentleman named Alan Shapiro who started with some other people, um, the Cider Summits. And in Seattle, so there's four a year, there's one in Seattle, there's one in the, a large city in a state that will not be named, uh, one in the Bay Area, and then one in Chicago. Okay. And I'd recommend if people are excited about cider to check those out. So when we opened the Cider House, right, there was a line around the block. There was a literal line for a block wow. of people waiting to get in because it coincided with the Cider Summit. Happening. Oh, okay. You know, okay. and we did that intentionally, obviously. Yeah, no, no that makes sense, though. That makes sense. So you know, there was, a, there was a group of people that were excited about it. And then there were, so the people that were vocal about, you know, getting cider in stores, having more access to it. At the beginning, it was trying to figure out where cider goes. Then it was trying to figure out, well, we already have a cider. We don't need two. It's like, okay. So there was an education piece there that needed to happen. So thankfully there were some, you know, uh, stores like uh, PCC and Whole Foods and Met Market, you know, some local stores and 
uh, the um, Red Apples and the Northwest Grocers were open to it, right? They had availability. They, had, they were willing to create space on their shelves for cider. Then once we got some traction there, uh, we were very lucky and, and, you know, I think the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm-hmm. But we were able to get into um, some Kroger banners being QFC and Fred Meyer. And once that started, it started to pick up momentum. And then Cider had created a space that was dedicated to its you know, craft mm-hmm. on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you start canning immediately? Mm-hmm. So you guys, you guys launched with cans? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. kind of, yeah. So yeah, we were the first okay. on the West Coast okay. to launch so, cans. And that, that had its own hurdles, obviously, right? <laughs> I, well, from what I've been told, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard there's some challenges with canning and cider, but okay. So you guys started... So, see, I think I think the thing is, is that I think a lot of ciders at first, and this is just my interpretation, but a lot of them were in glass. So, mm-hmm. well, we'll put it next to wine. Not that beer doesn't come in glasses, but beer's got cans. And the minute you put it in cans, now all of a sudden they're like, well, we can put it next to beer. And I wonder if that made it for the layman who's grabbing a six pack on Friday night. Well, well, let's try this out, you know, versus, you know, I'm not into wine, so I'm not going to go even look at what's the cider stuff over next to the Chardonnays because I don't drink wine, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, but if I'm, you know, walking through Safeway, I might grab a six pack of these cans. I might even think they're beer, for example. I might just quickly grab and make a mistake and go, oh, this is really cool. So. Yeah, you know, I've, you're absolutely right. And the, a couple of reasons we went into cans, and one of them, the main one, was being sustainability, right? That mm-hmm. aluminum is almost, in, you know, not infinitely, but very very recyclable you know Mm -hmm. and it takes less energy than glass it also weighs less for shipping Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of you know important reasons for going to cans it also holds up better in cans despite what people you know their their myths that they hold to be truths uh the degradation from light you know just the same as beer it happens the same way in cider and glass. You know, I'm not saying that happens overnight or it's bad right. putting glass. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you are UV protected in a different way than you are in glass, mm-hmm. right? And there's also how do you differentiate yourself, right, from mm-hmm. what's happening? And actually, it I'm not gonna lie, like it hurt us in the beginning being in cans. Like it was not, it was not like it accelerated our growth because we were in cans. That okay. was another battle that we had to fight another conversation we had to have another way to convince them of, hey actually cans have you know have a higher quality than glass you know so we really had to educate and we had to educate for literally years mm-hmm. on why right? right probably up until about five years ago oh okay yeah now you start with three what was what's the company's um I'm not asking you to give away company secrets here, but what's the company's, how does the company go about deciding how to bring a new cider to market? What's, what's that creative process like? Yeah, a couple different ways. And I think it's, it's evolved over time, obviously, where before it was, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. But now it's, uh, you know, I think we have a little bit better process in place. And I like to think so, at least we've worked to you know, incorporate that into our growth and our scalability. One really fun thing is the cider houses are a data center, 
essentially, oh, okay. right? I mean, yeah. you think about it, you go in, what sells the best? Okay, well, the other thing that's really cool about the Cider Houses is we have our taps, we don't have all the taps. Right. One of the really big things that we're proponents for is growing cider as a whole category. Because okay. if they win, we win. And if we sure. win, they win, right? There's just mm -hmm. the all, you know, all boats rise, right? And yep. and so looking at the cider houses, you know, we'll put something on or someone else will have something on that, that sells like crazy. Now we can go in and be like, all right, great. That's that let's let's investigate that. Let's learn more about that. Why are people drinking that? You know, and so that's a good starting point for us. So, you know, we or, and then outside of that, we'll look at data, you know. But data is right, so like taxes. No one wants to hear about that. Right. So one of the questions I love to ask people, and you're probably going to hate it at first, but I think you'll play along. You had to have a flop somewhere. Oh, yeah. You had yeah. Oh, yeah. So what were some of those flops? And I asked that not to be, but I think we learned from, you know, we learned from it when we're like, well, I thought this, you know, jalapeno and coffee blend would be good. I, I, I was, you know, you did tell me we talked about coffee. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I'll jump into that one. Uh, so I actually, I have all the cans kind of lying in my, my office here and it's, okay. fun to, it's fun to look at it and be like, Oh, I can't believe we made that, you know? Yeah. Or, or I actually had uh, our head cider maker came in. It was just yesterday, honestly. And he came in and he goes, Eric, do you remember what this was called back then? And I really had to rack my brain. I was like, Oh yeah. Wow. We, you know, we made that. Why, like, what were we thinking? Uh, which is fun. It's so fun because, you know, you, you have to take, you know, you know, it's cliche, but you got to take those risks, you know, cause sure. You know, but, um, one of them, uh, not so much. So yes, failure in one sense, but also so successful in another sense that it's so polarizing that, that we no longer make it. One of those was a, uh, nitro cold brew coffee cider. That's a lot to unpack. I recognize that. Now that sounds amazing to me. So totally. I mean, to me, I'd be like totally into that. Yeah. So there were, it, it was, it was, it was awesome. It, just from a technological standpoint to be able to do that because you have to have, you know, proteins to bind the, 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 the uh, you know, you've got your carbonation, you've got nitrogen. So the, to bind, so you actually get that smooth pour, right? Right. So uh, we, we actually figured out that we, Mark, Core and I, uh, co-founder, you know, kind of took this project on and Colin and they're working on this and, you know, theoretically this could work and let's figure it out. And that's one of the fun things that's really allowed us to scale is just everyone's excitement about what they do. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but this coffee was called Grumpy Bear. Okay. Which so, I would personally love. I yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you've got a lot of things in the wind column, right? Right. When people tried it, they either loved it or they hated it. And there was no in between. And there was no okay. middle ground. There was no middle ground. And so, you know, we made it. It was It was, you know, more difficult to make, you know, and it was uh, not for everyone. And it didn't really have a space, you know, in the chain stores, you know, in the large grocery, right? Right. Uh, so it was a it was a cult favorite. And I still get people. I, you know, I met this guy down in Texas, and and he's just he'll still show me cans. I'm like, dude, that's probably not good. You probably shouldn't drink that. And he's like, no, it's great. I'm like. <laughs> I don't know, man, if you die, like, I'm going to feel really bad. But I told you not to drink that about five times, you know. He's like, no, I still got some. I'm like, all right, man, like, I, I clearly cannot stop you from enjoying this cider. But, you know, so, you know, successful on one, on one side and, and, and less on the other. And, you know, so that's, that's I think, one of the more fun all ones right. to talk about. Uh, I'm sure wanna, we had some other ones, too. I want to interject on, on so, so the fact that you said coffee. I had no clue that somebody would try that. 
So when I first started working at Starbucks, yeah, I think it was like a hazing prank. They gave me this bottle of this Starbucks product called Mazet Grand. Okay. And it was a coffee cola. Oh, okay. Okay. And it was, and, and they go here, try this. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. And I'm, and they're all like watching me, waiting for me, like to you know throw up or yeah. you know you know. And I like this stuff. It was, it was <laughs> Starbucks' first foray partnership with Pepsi. Okay. And so they made this uh, African inspired. I, I can't remember the whole story. The, yeah. Uh, anyway, but anyway, the bottom line was it was either you liked it or you hated it. Yeah. And I would find so this people were selling it on ebay oh yeah yeah it it had this cult like you know it was just bizarre so it kind of sounds like a a, you know very similar path to what you guys are trying with coffee and cider that's okay yeah we made one on draft that was a actually two other really fun ones and who knows what we'll do long term you know the 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 sky's the limit sometimes but we made a uh a um chocolate nitro cider Okay. So it had, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe it had Theo chocolate in it because we're just down the street in the great Fremont neighborhood, right? I'm plugging okay. Washington more. Because yes, yes, yeah, I got you. And yeah. and then we also had a, uh, we made a Sriracha lime cider. And it was actual bottles of Sriracha in there blended in with the cider. And I think it, I can't remember. I, it was fine. I, it was good enough. Some people loved it. They would come in and get full 16 ounce pints and get another pint. And I was like, I don't know how they're doing this. And that was their, they get a, I swear to you, they get growlers of it to go. And we had it on draft for forever, you know, until probably, you know, several years ago, but it was a Sriracha lime cider and people loved it. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's like a spicy nacho. Like, I don't know, man, you do you, but yeah. I mean, see, Okay, I'm geeking out thinking the coffee thing sounds yeah. good and you know and so, and I'm kind of making faces with the sriracha lime. So it's let, let's be real, it's it's uh but to, to each their own, I guess. Teach their own. Yeah. So how do you guys nowadays what's the process? I mean, you, you you've got all this data coming in from the tap rooms. I get that, but so let, let's just arbitrarily assign a new product you're going to do uh I'm just going to make up stuff. Black sure. a, a blackberry infused Sure. Let's sure. just decide that. Yeah. So what's the process from taking it from, hey, let's make a BlackBerry type cider to getting it? I mean, are you launching them first at the tap room to see kind of how they're received locally in real time versus canning it and distributing it? Yeah, generally, you know, in a perfect world, we're able to, you know, assess the viability of it. Uh, you know, we also, there's a lot of data out there on, you know, the sales side of things so we can look at other things and, and look at that standpoint. But, you know, I think for us, you know, we will definitely trial stuff at the cider houses and that's a great place to get, you know, the first of the first, you know, and we'll call it something else down the road, but you tried the iter- first iteration, right? But we're also trying to do things that other people aren't doing, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I recognize, you know, that, Sometimes that's not possible, right? A dry cider is a dry cider is a dry cider. Sure, but is it? It's just the same way that a rosé is different depending on the mm-hmm. things that go in it, right? The ingredients. Right. And so I think that's a lot of it for us is, okay, let's let's do it the way that we want to do it. And, and mm-hmm. that's not to say other ways aren't also totally great. 
But I think we've done a great job through culture building and through just creating this foundation for the company is looking at things that might not seem possible, but figuring out a way to make it happen. You know, for, like for example, uh, we did some data digging, right? And we, we said, okay, well, why is, you know, why, why is this happening in the, in the world of cyber? We started to assess it and then we said, you know what? No one is doing this. No one is creating a higher ABV, right? Alcohol by volume, a stronger, if you will, cider. It's all capped at, and we won't get into taxes, but I'll tell you a little bit. It's all capped at about 6.9%. Right. Why is that? Well, there's tax implications above that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's also people talk about like, well, why does this fruit cider cost more? Again, further tax implications oh, really? on fruited ciders. Yeah. So anytime you put, oh. a, and I promise I'll answer your question. Anytime you put even a drop, right? Or even, you don't even have to put anything in the liquid. Just alluding to there being a fruit other than apple or pear, right? So right. cider or perry, right, mm-hmm. is, is this called? You are in a different tax bracket. Okay, so we're just going to go into the tax bracket thing because actually it's kind of geeky. You knew it was, was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, so what I, my understanding, my layman's, my very layman's understanding was that above a certain uh, alcohol content, was taxed differently. I did not, I've never heard that fruit increased taxes. Can you, other than just because they want to, but yeah. why Why is that? Uh, it's it, Honestly, a lot of these cider laws are, they come from wine, right? Well, okay. there aren't, I will say this, there are not specific cider laws necessarily. They're okay. all based on wine laws. And okay. so you are taxed as a fruit wine if you put fruit other than apple or pear into a cider and okay. it's, it's just archaic laws and and you know there there's reasons to change it there's reasons not to change it right that okay. it keeps some people out of the category it allows other people to be in the category right you can think about right. large corporations versus craft players sure. etc so one of them, so circling back because i think this will this will tag in here is if you go above 6.9%, it's again, a different tax bracket, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you also cannot put cider, used to, this is about two years ago, you couldn't put cider over 6.9% in a 12 ounce can. You could put it in a 375 milliliter, a 500 milliliter, or a 750 milliliter, right? So wine sizes, sizes that wine wine's sizes. coming, right? Right. So, we looked at it and we said, you talked about how do we invent new items? How do you come up with new items? We looked at it and we said, okay, we want to create a higher ABV cider, but you can't go above 6.9. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to go into this tax bracket. We're not interested in going into glass, right? Because at the very beginning, we founded the company on aluminum. Right. So we found sourcing for a 375 milliliter can. And for those who you know aren't in the beverage world, that's about 12.5 six 12.7 ounces okay okay so if you put a can right next to a, a 12 ounce can right next to a 375 can you're you'd have to put them right next to each other to notice the difference in height okay now the diameter is not different okay so the circumference of it's not different just the height okay okay so that bodes well for packaging right cardboard around it because you're mm-hmm. not going wider you just go a little bit taller that's right you can solve for that so when we're coming out with this we went okay we got it. 
we found 375 ounce cans that can be printed. We don't put wraps on our cans, wraps being plastic. Because you see a lot of those come out and you're like, oh, this is a new release, it's got plastic wrap on it. That's great, except for that, you know, now you've taken an infinitely recyclable item and you cannot recycle it. You have to remove the plastic. And it's about 1% if you're taking, again, the data is close, it's not completely accurate, but about 1% if you have flawed, basically aluminum content in your recycling, it ruins that entire batch. Okay. Right, so people are going to put those cans into recycling, and now you've ruined, ruined it. Right? That's the whole sustainability. It's same thing with stickers. You know, eventually they're going to invent stickers that are recyclable, and we'll be able to do that. We don't have that yet. Okay. Right, and so when people are, and it's great, you know, sure, but I think it's not great because you've taken a product that's recyclable by putting a plastic wrap around it, mm-hmm. and you no longer can recycle that product. So I'm on your website, and it's scrolling. Cans are scrolling past me. Yeah. Right. They're great. And right. Yeah, they're, they're, I like the artwork, and we're, we'll get to the artwork. But one of them, of course, it's not going to scroll past me now. But I see a couple of them with the higher, uh, the Excelsiors, yep. with the higher. Yeah, those cans on the website don't look any taller. So am I missing? So about, is this just for artwork purposes? No. So about two. So about a year ago, right? About okay. a year or less ago, the law changed. So we started mm-hmm. it. We found three seventy five cans. I'll, I'll, I'll speed this one up. We found those three seventy five cans. We made this higher ABV cider, which was the original imperial cider so we were the right. first imperial cider in a can as far as i know in the nation okay. now obviously we've had a lot of people follow us because they looked at it and this thing is no pun intended right if you look at the can excelsior is space themed it's a rocket ship like okay. it is it is it is like you know as they say it's, it's going outer space it's crazy mm-hmm. and and so you know right now actually it's it's well, i don't want to turn people away from it you should definitely buy it because it's, it's an incredible product and you should also support other people, but like, if you've never tried it, try it. It is now the, the top five, six pack in the entire Pacific Northwest. Really? So we're talking like about like Corona level in, in, in sales, you know? Wow. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So we're super excited about that, you know, and, and we don't even have a lot of distribution on it to the degree to which we will. So okay. if you don't find it now, give us a couple months, we're working on it for you. So right. we created that, then the law changed, right? So then the law changed. <laughs> For the 375s, and it went, you know, 375, 12.7 ounce, right? Slightly taller cans to 12 ounce. Okay. That allowed other people to enter the category. Great. Competition is healthy. That's important, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot. So, there, you know, you can look out there and you can know that chilling started that category, the Impura category, and everyone else has followed suit. And they're smart too, right? They looked at the data and they saw how successful it was. Now we've created a brand family, right? We're the first ones to create an Imperial brand family. Right, so if, if you know casual beer drinkers out there, think about Voodoo Ranger from okay. the, from New Belgium. Right, they created a brand family around that, or the little thing, the thing series, Hayes Little Thing from Sierra Nevada, or from you know uh, a state that won't be named on the east side <laughs> of the state. Right, uh, Deschutes, they have their fresh series. Right, and they've okay. created these series around them, and so we created the Excelsior series. Excelsior meaning ever upward. Right. Right. So the connotation of the ABV, it's also super fun to say, like, dude, you can't tell me I'm wrong on that, you know, and, oh. you know, Stan Lee, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Imperial. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, help me out here. What, yeah. Why is that? What's that? So Imperial connotates a, like a double of the standard, right? Of okay. ABV. And it okay. also means okay. things different in beer. If you're looking at a, 
you know, double IPA, you're looking at double the hops, double the malt. So you've increased the alcohol content through fermentation. Okay. And that's actually, we actually sourced, we are sourcing uh, bitter, sweet, bitter, sharp apples from where they originated, right? For this, so you get that tannin mouthfeel, mm-hmm. right? So we've tried it, we blind taste tested this next to some amazing ciders that are, you know, 25 to $30 a bottle. And people are like, they, you know, they'll choose Excelsior or they'll say, hey, you know what? This one is almost as good. What is this? Well, it costs you like, you know, $2 instead of right. 20 right? For the same right. amount of liquid. Let's talk about your cans for a second. Yeah. So you're, are you guys printing the cans? Are you buying the blanks and printing them in-house or do you buy them printed from somewhere else? Yeah, so you're, there's, there's two companies uh, mainly that do all aluminum beverage can printing. There's Crown and there's mm-hmm. Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ball, from your Ball, you will recognize them, right? And if you look on the cans, you actually see a little Crown or it says mm-hmm. ball and cursive on every single can. It's always fun to see right. who makes your cans. So there are different plants, plants, can manufacturing plants around the US. And we actually have some, there's one here in Tumwater, there's another ball plant that's just up the road from where our warehouse is. And they print them. So they actually have these plates. It would, do you wanna hear about the how, how the whole process works? Well, no, I'm just, the reason being is, so is the ball plant still, is there one still kind of in Auburn off of mm-hmm. 167? Yeah, that's a small facility for them, but yes. Yeah. yeah. I used to, long time ago, had to go in there for work purposes. Okay. And um, it's really noisy when a forklift knocks over a stack. Have you been in there? Uh, I've not been in that facility, but I know what so the stack cans look like. And I know what yeah, they, like. Yeah, they, but- one guy, this guy turned his pallet, you know, he's driving his forklift and he turned, he had it stacked up and he turned it to and he knocked. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever been in a noisier place when that, when all that fell apart. Yeah. So, so you're ordering those from, we'll just say ball, you yeah. know, whatever. So it's, so they're doing the printing. So you guys don't have to do that. Yeah. And there's actually, okay. it's really interesting. I, I think this is actually fascinating. It's kind of like how the world works, right? And how, yeah. like the how is how it's made, you know? So when we, so we create the artwork, right? In, in on the template right. digitally. And we, we do all that in house. And so right. it's, you know, this is not, a, I'm not trying to shout, shout out for myself, but a lot of that kind of comes from my head in, in our design team, right? I'll say, hey, you know, I, I'm thinking about this, you know, the draft and the space helmet and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just super exciting, you know, to be a part of that. It's what I love coming to work for. Sure. And so we'll create that digitally, put that on a template. And there's actually a facility uh, in, in Washington, in the great state of Washington, that uh, people <laughs> fly into, right? They, they'll fly from all over the U.S. and they'll do a pilot can. And the reason they do a pilot can is to work out all the kinks. Sure. So they'll actually print one, two, three. And you'll be able to see it. I don't know if uh, listeners will be able to see it, but this is actually a brand new product that will be coming out. Um, okay. Excelsior Red Glow. So this just, and you'll see the top of this portion, right? You have the 12 ounce normal, and this is actually printed on a 16 ounce template. So you've got mm-hmm. this just bare aluminum at the top, right? Right. Uh, so you go to that facility and they print those cans and you can look at the colors, you say that color is not right. And once you finalize that, they have a, what they call, they plate it basically, they, they, they put the ink in, they do all that. And now you've got this plate that goes to ball or crown and you have agreed on the colors, mm-hmm. you agreed on the pressures that that plate puts on that can right Mm -hmm. and now you've got the perfect can 
you know, and you can see right. what it looks like when it wraps and touches in the back. So there's continuity there. Uh, right. I, I think it's fascinating. I, I think no, it is. Wow. It is fascinating. And it's maddening when you're trying to put something together and it, and it doesn't line up right. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, well, let's, let's not put the clutch in all the way and grind my gears a little bit here. Sure. Um, Let's talk, let's talk about the Excelsior line because I'm getting a kick out of the the cans as they scroll by and you just you kind of teased a, another one coming so I guess you can share more about that. Absolutely. What so what's so let's do this. What's what's on the horizon for you guys new product wise that you can that you can disclose? Oh, I'm an open book, man. First okay. Of all. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm pretty. I, well, I don't want to put you on the spot. You no, know, no, no. I'm, I'm, okay. Is anyone who you know? Uh, gets to work with me or, or, you know, has the, whatever you want to say, you know, I work with, uh, they'll know, they know. Okay. You know? All right. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the fun thing is, so we started with Excelsior, right? It's the first Imperial cider in a can in the nation. Right. Right. And now we've got a lot of people who have noticed and, mm-hmm. and we already had put into motion, you know, after it launched, we said, okay, what, where do we need to go with this line? Like, this is incredible. Let's build a brand. Let's build a family of giraffes. Right. Let's mm-hmm. put some space helmets on them. Let's send them in outer space, right? Okay. How do we differentiate? Why is it important? What's the what's the benefit for, you know, the <laughs> consumer, right? Like, right, you know, right. it's just, it's not just to innovate to just innovate, but like, man, like let's let's do it right. And so, you know, we created this cider that is just a really high ABV, good tasting, just apple forward cider that didn't exist. And then we said, okay, what have we done well in the past? We've done fruited ciders pretty well, you know. Okay. Okay, well, let's investigate that. Where's the gap in the portfolio? Also, why would someone just want a fruited version? Like, I don't want to release Excelsior at the same ABV, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a waste of your time, right? Okay. And I don't want to waste the consumer's time. So instead of saying, okay, well, all the all the Excelsior items are going to be the same ABV, right? Let's let someone else play that game. That's not interesting to us. Let's kick it up. Like, let's turn it to... We can't. We didn't turn it to eleven. That would be a hot, that'd be a hot cider, right? But let's, yeah, that, we we turned it up to nine point one percent. Right. Nine point one. So now you look at it and you say, okay, well, first of all, if you're drinking Excelsior, you're in it for the experience, right? And I'm not yeah. advocating for drinking, right? I right, right. You, know, you do you. I respect yeah. that. But <laughs> if you're getting a nine point one cider, you have a goal in mind, yeah. right? Right. You are on a journey. Right. Yes. And you are going yes, to take that rocket ship there. And we're yes. just going to help put some fuel in the tank. Right. So right. Right. 9.1 cider yeah. mango. Right. So we're that's that's what we did. So we released Excelsior mango 9.1. And the fun thing is, is I really like it because myself and like a couple of the people, we write the stories on the cans. You know, okay. so it's like I get to instead of just being you know, in data all day, that's that's my creative outlet. You know, they, they okay. still let me do it. We're going to hire up for it now. And. And I'll be sad to you know let that go, but it's important. Maybe you yeah. should apply for that job. Yeah, I should. I should. You know what? I'll tell. I'll, I'll tell our head of marketing that I want it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it, and so now the next one, right? Which I think is what people are probably more interested in than me babbling is, we 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 want to release something else, but we just want to say, you know what? I'm going to launch this cider, and we're just going to put a different fruit in it. We're going to keep it the same ABV. Again, not interesting, right? Right. I right. want people to expect whatever Schilling's doing, it's worth checking out. You know, okay. like, sure, we can make another, and I'm not knocking IPAs. We can make another IPA for a beer company, right? And we can sure. throw different hops in it. It's not interesting. Let's do something that really changes things, you know? Okay. So that higher ABV and fruit 
for, for Mango. Now what we've done is we've actually, people should look this up if they're listening, right? Multitask, don't do all your driving, but do it afterward, make a mental note. So if you crack open an apple, right, on the inside, you, it's pretty much all the same color, right? It's right. kind of like that white mm-hmm. color, right, if you will. We found, we've known about them for a while, but we, did, we weren't sure how to do it. So it was kind of something we thought about for a really long time. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, and now that if is a reality. You crack mm-hmm. these apples, they're called red flesh apples, red flesh mm-hmm. apples, okay? You yep. crack them open, well, you're familiar, and you yep. look on the inside and it's actually red. It's yep. red on the inside, like that's crazy. You know, right. when people look at that, they, they, you look it up on the internet and you go, nah, there's no way. And then you right. start to research, you're like, oh my goodness, there's yeah. actual red. It's real. Yeah, it's real. So you think about it, right? You press that juice, what color is that juice, right? It's red. It's red. And so what we did is we're really excited about it. And I mean, my voice probably, you know, intonation probably hasn't told you. Uh, you're, you're a little dry. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll exactly. Be I'll work on it. I'll drink some cider. <laughs> so we uh, released this one called Red Glow, right? Because, you know, I thought red flesh didn't make sense on a cider canvas. People weren't going right. to be interested in drinking a red flesh, whatever. Right. Yeah. That's that, a right? Little, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Red Glow, right? And thinking about different backgrounds for the planets, right? So Excelsior is kind of, you know, we blasted off from Earth and we're on the moon, right? And Mango is, you know, we've gone to another galaxy. And then Red right. Glow is kind of that Mars connotation, right? That that red giant connotation. And right. so we actually are, we've sourced from a, uh, a, a local Washington-based company out in Yakima Valley, uh, these red flesh apples, right? And they're, they're called Lucy Glow Apples. G-L-O, right? So Lucy Glow Apples. And I would look them up because they're beautiful apples. They're beautiful, beautiful apples. And that's why it's called Red Glow. Red G-L-O as a nod back to that. And you'll see, I just, we always put Easter eggs on our cans. And I I know it's not a visual, it's an auditory experience. But if you look on the cans, you'll see little Easter eggs, right? So like on one of our cans, we had put... uh, a nod to another can that we had created, right? On these ones, you've got the same little astronaut, this fat little astronaut. He's got like a little belly. He's like a little tiny guy. And okay. uh, he's on all the cans. And then you've also got um, this little alien is on the mango one. And he's different okay. he's different colors. And then also on the red glow, this is the one I'm really excited about, is kind of a nod. I hope that Apple doesn't sue us. And, you know, I looked with legal and we should be good. But we put Lucy in the sky next to diamonds well that won't be apple that'll be oh yeah who's well it? wait who who owns who owns the beatles catalog now whoever who, that's right i thought it was i thought uh yeah it's not apple it's, uh, i thought michael jackson yeah, did, bought yeah, it. yeah that might yeah anyway we, let's not give him any yeah, ideas yeah. so now, okay. now you've got and now i'll show you really close here but you know you've got this lucy which is the trademark visual for right. these apples Right. And so we wanted to work no, it in. No, that's very cool. We wanted to work it in. And it's also worked in the story and those kinds of things. So it's just fun stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the new release. So we've got that one. Do you want to hear about some other releases? Yeah, okay, let's hear. Cool. So we got uh, the Excelsior series is growing. And mm-hmm. I will, you know, for anyone who's listening, it will continue to grow. Okay. I've got some things rattling around this peanut shell head of mine. So we're good to go there. And okay. then uh, outside of that, we've got a... Uh, if you're familiar with any of the other products, uh, we have this one called Local Legend, right? And mm-hmm. it's a, it's around the idea of the Sasquatch, right? 
And right. instead of naming it Sasquatch cider, which might connotate, you know, some fur or some grit and some, you know, I wasn't interested in that. So local legend, we actually have a 12 pack of that coming out. So we're really excited okay. about that. And, and we're actually pricing it in line with national cider companies, right? Companies come from big conglomerates so that okay. people can have a higher quality heirloom cider in mm-hmm. a 12 pack. Right. So we're excited about that. And then, uh, we have, what else do we have coming out? We also have uh, this new lineup, actually this brand new, essentially offshoot of Schilling, which is a is a brand called Waveline. Mm-hmm. And some people might be semi-familiar. We had a seltzer line there for a little while, and it was said, hey, we could fight the seltzer game and really try and figure that out. It doesn't really, it's not really who we are as a company, right? There's no innovation in that. It, and that's not to knock seltzer companies. Great. If you want to drink seltzer, drink seltzer. It just mm-hmm. wasn't as interesting for us, right? Same idea is like, sure, you could release a cider and have different variations in the same ABV and we threw fruit X in it. Fine. Right. We launched uh, a hard yerba mate. Yeah, let's talk about that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I'll pack that together, right? So yerba mate, obviously, uh, you know, people are familiar with some different brands. We're actually launching a non-alcoholic one. We could talk about that, but I'm excited about the alcohol version. It's called Waveline Hard Yerba Mate. And it's got, again, better imagery, more fun imagery. I like mm-hmm. to say, so So as a wine base, right? You, you remember Four Locos? Yeah. Okay, so we're not, we're, not, we're not fully Four Locos. We're like 2.0 Locos, okay? Okay. So it's a little less Loco, a little bit more craft, right? And what I All mean right. by that is we have caffeine naturally occurring in it because it comes from Yerba Mate, right? So Yerba Mate right. has natural caffeine. And it's, you know, 4.2% alcohol, right? And so yeah. we created this around the Yerba Mate concept. So now you've got a different drinking occasion where you say, hey, you know what? I've had some drinks. Yeah, maybe switch to water. Like, that's a great call if you're driving. Like, stop drinking, sober up, yeah. don't drive buzz, right? Absolutely. Right. But if you're like, hey, you know, I'm going to save space. I'm going to be here all night. I want to keep going. And I've had a couple of Excelsiors, and that's really, like, taking me up to a next level, right? I'm out in space somewhere. You want to come back a little bit? Great. Drink a Waveline. You get a little caffeine boost in there, you know? Right. And that's exciting for us because you cannot legally do that if it's malt-based. If it's a malt-based product, beer, you cannot put caffeine in it. If it's naturally occurring, you cannot put synthetic caffeine in it, right? Which could be derived from oil or whatever, right? I mean, legitimately. But you can if it's naturally occurring. And because it's naturally occurring from the yerba mate, right? The organic yerba mate, boom, done. Well, the thing is, as a can scroll by, the other thing I'm noticing is that it's only a 90 calorie beverage. 100, yeah, and we can't so legally it's a, say it's low cal because you. It, right. But but let's be real, it's more low cal than most ciders are going to be. 100, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or most beers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and it's exciting. So the the tagline that I'm excited about for that one is, you know, you can't say energy, right? Because right. like one Red Bull, like they kind of right. have that cornered in for legal purposes. Right. Um, you also can't say that legally for from an alcohol standpoint, being in an alcohol category. So it's okay. unleash the funergy. The funergy. Right? Okay. Yeah. And just like keeping it. it fun. Like, you know, that's, that's right. who we are. You know, we like to have a good time. So. Right. But then you're also like, ah, I see what they did there. They can't say it, so they said it. I get it. Right. Well, well, let me ask you this question. Yeah. 
you know, ciders are something we don't typically start our mornings with. We Americans typically start their mornings with, you know, coffee. Right. And herba mate, caffeine, coffee, yep. caffeine. Are you a coffee guy? Uh, so uh, I have never had a cup of coffee in my life, uh, which is strange to people. Uh, I, I got to admit, that's a... yeah. That's a weird one. Man. Yeah. My mom, my mom's never really had coffee. Uh, my dad really enjoys coffee. Uh, okay. My girlfriend really enjoys coffee. I get it. It's just not for me. Uh, you know, maybe as I mature, you know, uh, as we, okay. you know, my journey of life, I'll, maybe I'll dabble. But yeah. Okay. All right. So you're not the coffee guy. Not the coffee but guy. The, the girlfriend is a coffee person. She, she enjoys her coffee. Yeah. What does she enjoy? So we recently, I found this place. Uh, uh, obviously in Washington, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, small batch, uh, coffee. I can't remember the name of it, unfortunately. Um, but some of you know, some of that medium more, and again, from a non-coffee drinker, right, it's okay. uh, you're doing, you're doing good. I'm, I'm faking it. Right. I, right. I, you're fake. Oh, sh- don't say that. Yeah, well, I'm in sales. So, you know, okay. uh, <laughs> the, I can sell it. Right. Uh, yeah. We actually had a cold brew line. We had a cold brew right, co- right. company. Yeah. Uh, not not even the cider. We actually had a cold brew company that we had for a while. We, we sold that off anyway. Um, she, I think she likes the like the medium roast, more like chocolatey, uh, like deep flavor stuff. You okay. know, versus like light roast. Um, you know, she also do like uh, she likes you know like shots in her coffee when she goes the uh, okay, which is espresso, right? Espresso, yeah. Nail it. Look at me. I know coffee. Yeah, you're yeah. just it's almost like you've had it. Yeah, before. exactly. <laughs> no, she she definitely enjoys it. She's a you know likes likes her cup in the morning. Uh, can function without it. Probably functions better with it. Like a lot of people I've heard, you know, um, which which you know might be my reason for not doing. It. It's like I don't. You know, I've also had, never had a glass of milk. Um, so if we really want to get weird, yeah. Wow. Just okay. But I love cheese. You know, interesting. I'm all about dairy products. It's just that's interesting. I gotta milkshakes. say, I love vanilla milkshakes, man. I had one yesterday. So why don't you drink milk? It's just weird to me. I think when I was like a kid going to the fair and participating in the fair, I just got weirded out by just the idea. I mean, what you know, not trying to be huh? grotesque, but what was the first person thinking? They were probably thinking they saw someone nursing on it and figured out right. the connection. But also, like, what was the first person thinking when they were getting milk from a cow? Yeah. Okay. Or like, you know, those udders, I just, I'm a little weirded out by it, you know? Okay. I mean, when you put it like that, I can understand. But but also it's just so much. It's so much to have a glass of milk, you know? Okay. Like we're talking like an ounce, like, sure, man. I mean, but you know, for me, milkshakes, ice cream sandwiches, I love them. Okay. Yeah. So just, okay. I love your guys' website, by the way. It's pretty fun, right? They've done a marketing team. Mike did a, uh, Mike Garrett did a uh, revamp of the website and he's just done a fantastic job. You know, it's, it's fun and interactive and I love it too. Cause you get to see immediately when you get on the website, you get to see this, the can scroll by and you get, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, this is different. You know, like why, you know, this is cider company. Like what are they, you know, there's a voice, this brand recognition. People don't, rem- you know, sometimes they'll be like, Oh yeah, my favorite cider. I can't remember the name of it. And I'd be like, well, like, you know, does it have a flamingo on it? They're like, yeah, that's the one. Like, oh, okay, cool, that's us. Or, uh, or they'll be like, yeah, I can't remember. It's got like this um, giraffe in a, oh man, like in a, in a space helmet. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I love, that's my favorite cider. I'm like, oh, cool. 
Well, we make that and it's uh, called Excelsior, you know? So I just think that there's a connection there, right? Because sometimes you go in the store and you're like, yeah, what is that can? You know, and you're like, oh, I right. can't remember it. You know, and this one, you're like, yeah, how can I forget that? You know, it's not even about remembering. You can't forget it. So I just stumbled on something on your website that I had not seen before. And remember when I, I probably told you this when we talked on the phone, I don't do a lot of preparation because I like to have that sense of wonderment. Sure. Like, oh, wow. Sure. You have a recipe book. Oh, yeah. Amanda, our director of creative, uh, created this uh, recipe book. And I'm hoping our marketing team is growing like like crazy right now. And they're doing some really fantastic stuff that hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get to see later this year. Uh, for the holidays, she created this recipe book for like Thanksgiving. And we actually had uh, yeah. tearaways where we, you know, we'd have, you know, stacks of our cider and, hey, you know, brine your turkey in this, make this this way, you know, London sure. dry or whatever it was. Yeah, it's fantastic with baking. And so, you know, I think long term, there's, we're going to have some opportunity around, you know, having that available, whether that's for download for people or we're really you well, know, growing that. You know, people pair beverages with food all the time, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm looking here, you got a, a the Schilling hard cider, turkey brine. Yeah. And Okay, got a mold hard, mold hard, hard cider. That's 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 pretty common. Yeah. But you know, then we've got you know cider bread with maple butter, caramelized apple mac and cheese. Yeah, I haven't made that one. That one looks interesting. <laughs> okay, I'll pass on the squash because you know um, I'll just drink the can instead of putting it with yeah, squash. <laughs> but no, I there's some. This is kind of cool. Yeah. It's actually, you know, one of the things that we leaned into, and it's it's interesting because we, you kind of grow in different ways, right, as a company. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the first thing was, well, we have to be sustainable. We have to be able to actually, you know, pay the bills and all those things, right? And then, sure. and then it becomes, you know, what are the things we're good at? Let's double down on that. What are the things we want to be good at? Okay, let's, let's research that. Early on, as a way for selling into the on-premise, which is like bars and restaurants, right? You drink the mm -hmm. drink on the premise. Um mm -hmm. So we would make cocktail recipes. So we actually had a bunch of cocktail recipes. And if people have been fans for shilling for a while, they'll remember that on the backs of our cans, we actually had cocktail recipes. Okay. We have since moved away from that to the storytelling portion of it, right? But we will eventually have, you know, more cocktail recipes there. Like we've paired Excelsior with some whiskeys, you know, and... It just really brings out this whole other character in both products. Uh, we've done one of mine. Might not. I'm not sure. Uh, you, you, I'll, you'll be my litmus test on this one. One that was called uh, Paloma Escobar. Okay. Uh, and it was a grapefruit, right? Yeah, I, I thought you'd like it. Yeah. So I came up with that okay. one. I thought that was pretty funny. I like that. Yeah, I like pretty that. Pretty good. So anyway, so we had that one. Paloma Escobar was a grapefruit, you know, cider cocktail mix. Uh, we've done some like gin based cocktails. So yeah, we have this whole cocktail book that eventually make it up on the website. And so super okay. fun, you know, and people don't think about that. Um, but you know, we're not the first to do it, but it was just exciting to explore that. You know, we had one called, um, one way ticket and it was with our pineapple passion fruit cider, uh, it, which is called passport. Right. So it's kind of a play uh -huh. on that travel theme. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was, like uh, it was with rum. Right. And it was obviously like a higher kind of hit you you know, yeah. uh, drink. And that's why one way ticket, right? It wasn't round trip. You're wasn't yeah. round trip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Well, we always, to wrap this up, to respect your time and all sure. that, what, 
here's my get out of free jail yeah. card, which is what I say at every episode. Yeah. What didn't I ask you that we should have talked about? Did we, did I miss something? No, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. I think we covered the really fun things, you know, uh, yeah. we, what I would, I would encourage people if they're interested in shilling, you know, reach out to us. We love hearing from people. Uh, you know, if we're doing something you would love to see more of great. Tell us, you know, we're always open to that. You know, right. I'm excited personally to have had the opportunity to just talk about how we, you know, I don't want to say invented because that's like no one had ever done it before, but we really started the Imperial Cider category and, sure. you know, have solidified that as a brand building thing. And I'm excited. The most exciting release I'm thinking about this next year, we also have a Moscow Mule Cider that's coming out. So we kind of did the cocktail mix for you. It'll come in large 19-2 cans. Um, okay. So those will be coming out. Those will hit grocery stores here in March. But the one I'm the most excited about is... It's, I mean, Excelsior is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But like we elevated above Excelsior with this brand new release of this red glow with those red flesh apples. I mean, right. you, it's, it's the idea of large scale bringing the terroir concept into cider making with things that aren't available to everyone, right? You can't have fresh, fresh juice outside the Pacific Northwest in the volume that we're talking about, right? A lot of people have to bring it from the Pacific Northwest in concentrate reconstitute it to make their cider great if that's right. all you can do i get it right but that's why we started here you know and that's the thing that's exciting about it for me is having access to these beautiful lucy glow apples and having that be you know just you know in the same state a couple hours away where they're pressing it and it's in you know our tanks the same day like that just it just wows me you know still and, I, right. and i've done this for you know better part of nine years I'm right. still excited about that. And I'm genuinely still excited about that, you know? So yeah, I don't know. That's it. Like I'm just, I'm just really pumped about Excelsior. I'm just pumped about the new release of it right. and, and just getting to grow that brand and getting to connect with people through, you know, like the idea when, of drinking, you know, the idea of when modern. is the new, the, when is it supposed to hit shelves? Uh, right around the beginning of March. Yeah. So you'll see, okay. you'll see it right around the beginning of March. You should see it in uh a fair amount of stores. Uh, I don't have the total count right now, but I'm really excited. It, you should be able to find it, you know? Okay. Yeah. And then let's, let's circle back to, we're going to have to talk about Oregon for a second, oh, sure, sure. but your, your tap room. So you've got two, but the website indicates there's one currently under renovations in Auburn. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great question. So we grew, okay. so we had plans to, we had a cider house, we had, excuse me, we had a tap room at our mm -hmm. headquarters. Uh, I recently had a gentleman who I'd worked with in the industry for a long time and he came uh, and he hadn't been here in probably like, I don't know, a year and a half, not a long time for a facility to change. He was genuinely floored and used a lot of expletives and is a, you know, is a church going gentleman. And so it was fun to just watch this just pop up in his mind. You know, he's just like, what, it, what we've grown, we grew so rapidly that the space that was originally dedicated for the tap room here has been filled up with people's desks. And okay. I think that that's a really important thing, you know, and maybe one day we'll be able to get back to it as we get the backspace and maybe, you know, some other, mm -hmm. some other space around here. But as it currently stands, we don't have the tap room here for that reason, because we've been able to employ, we've doubled, we've doubled in staff last year. 
in so, 2021. So how many people are working for Schelling then? Uh, we're right around the 50 mark. Uh, that's not including okay. like the site. That's like including the cider house, like managers, but not the, right. not the full staff. So if we're including that, we're probably like close to like 60, 65. Okay. All right. So still pretty small where, you know, um, I think only I was gone for like a week on vacation and then came back and there were two new people who I'd never met. And so it was just really interesting. It's like, oh, we're like kind of this company, but we don't, you know, we will like, but now I know them, you know, and it's been like right. you know, two weeks. It's like, oh, I know them well, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, we doubled in staff last year and we hired 10 people already in the, the first two uh, weeks of the year. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay. Really exciting, you know, just to be able to provide that for people, you know, and not like we're doing them a, a great service, but there's a lot of really bad work environments, uh, you know, and to be the difference maker, you know, in that when, okay. you know, it's exciting. All right. Well, anything else that we should make sure we say? If you get a chance, go to the Cider House, check it out. They're lovely people. They're just the best. And okay. if you get in, you know, if, if you're super excited about this stuff, you know, hit us up. We always love talking about it and go out and get Excelsior. Like, just give it a go. You know, some people are turned off by the giraffe. You know, some people don't love that type of branding. They're like, oh, it's like going to be cheap and whatever. I can tell you that I, I put this cider up in a blind test against most ciders out there. And uh, I think you're going to be surprised if you haven't ever tried it. And I, I know that there's, you know, beers that I haven't tried because of that. And now I try mm -hmm. them and I'm like, oh, man, like, I love this. Are you kidding? Like, right. why was I doing that to myself? So right. give yeah. it a try. Give it a try. Okay. And we'll put some links to your website and all that in the in the show notes so people can can take a look at the site and that quickly and, you know, find out. Well, I will ask this last sure. question. So drop some names of places where your ciders are available in Washington. Absolutely. Uh, all major grocery chains. So you've got your Safeways, you've got your QOCs, you've got your Fred Meyers. Um, you've got, we're, we're in a bunch more Walmarts now, Whole Foods, PCC, Met Market. Uh, Trader Joe's is a great place, uh, oh. especially with our seasonals. Trader Joe's has been awesome for us. Uh, you're, you know, you're, some of your local convenience stores, honestly, if you don't see it, ask for it because we're working hard out there and, you know, we love any, any help, you know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. This was a lot of fun for me and um, I'm going to go, I think I might actually drive to the store today and, and grab some Excelsior and give it a shot because I haven't tried it. And I, I want to, I'm going to go check it yeah. out. Yeah. Well, let me, let me know. I want your honest feedback. I will. I'll, I'll give you some feedback. All right. Awesome, Scott. All Thanks. right. Take Thank care. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.